Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Good morning, church. So glad you're here today. We love you and uh, glad that you're joining us. If you're joining us online, thanks for joining us as well. We're starting a new series on the book of James today. And so if you have your Bible, you can begin uh, to turn there. Um, in fact, we had somebody that you might recognize who's given his endorsement for this series. So go ahead and check out the screen. So what's your strategy going into the book of James series? I don't need any. When I get to church, I'm ready to receive the word. It's tailor-made for me. Enemy's gonna get hurt. Oh, I'm ready for this book of the Bible, but I pity the fool, and I will invite all my friends to come see you. what I got. What's your prediction for the next couple of weeks at the cause? Prediction? Pain. Oh, anybody remember Mr. T? All right, so we're calling this series, I Pity the Fool, Practical Wisdom from the book of James. In fact, if you've been around the church long enough, we actually had Mr. T come speak in the second year of our church in April of 2006. I invited him to come speak to our young people and he ended up speaking in the main services as well. One of the weirdest moments of my life was when he called me a few weeks before this happened. I, I got, there's a, I, I didn't recognize the number on my phone, I picked it up. And on the other end, I just hear, is John there? Uh, yeah, this is John. John, this is Mr. T. I thought it was a joke at first. And then I kept talking to him and realized I'm actually talking to the Mr. T. And uh, he just kept talking about, he says, all about saving souls. It's all about saving souls. And anyways, he's a super nice guy, loves the Lord, only wanted to talk about Jesus and his mama. Those were his two favorite topics. So Mr. T, I pity the fool, the great line from Mr. T. James is a short book. It's only five chapters. We're going to focus on uh, one chapter each week over the next couple of weeks. In fact, it's 108 verses. And James gives 54 clear commands in a short amount of time. If any of you are bottom line, straightforward, straight shooters, you'll like James because that's how he is in his book. His book emphasizes Christian duty and not doctrine. In other words, he focuses on what it means to walk like a Christian, not talk like one. One of the key words that we see in James over and over again is the word faith. And his, this book uh, is, is full of practical wisdom about a living faith. A faith that works in everyday life. Uh, so you're going to enjoy, I think you're going to enjoy this series. One of the interesting things, by the way, just giving a little bit more background about the book of James, is that James was written by the brother, technically the half-brother, but the brother of Jesus. And one of my friends, uh, Michael Jr., talks a little bit about what it must have been like to be James, the brother of Jesus. Bible found out uh found out Jesus had a little brother. Anybody know his name? James. When I read that, I was like, how much pressure was that? <laughs> Jesus, your big brother? How many times do you have to hear? Why come you can't be more like Jesus, James? 
Because you know, everybody probably thought that James could do the same thing Jesus could do, but he couldn't. He was just James. He wasn't James Christ. <laughs> Remember the wedding banquet? Jesus turned water into wine. Everybody was amazed, but they don't tell you about the next banquet. Jesus left early. They started running out of wine. Everybody looked at James. It's like, man, last time this happened, your brother made some wine, dude. You, you just gonna stand there with your sandals on? You're not gonna... Can you make some Kool-Aid or something? Man, you're not gonna do anything. You know, James had problems just like any other kid had problems. He tried to follow his big brother around. So everywhere Jesus went, James followed him. That's what little brothers do. So if Jesus went there, so did James. I bet one time, James almost drowned. <laughs> oh, you just got that joke just now, didn't you? Jesus walked on water and James tried to make this one. I'm sure James had problems. He would go to his parents with his problems. And his parents, especially his, his mom, was trying to throw him a bone once in a while. They'd pray over their food. They'd be like, Lord, we just thank you for this food in James' name. James had problems. He would go to his parents with his problems, and you know what they would say? He'd be like, well, what would Jesus do, you know? <laughs> then they gave him a bracelet. They gave him a bracelet, and um, <laughs> then he started selling those bracelets, you know? <laughs> Made some money selling bracelets. What would be cool is a what would James do bracelet, right? Same initials, different meaning. Completely different meaning. You're driving down the street, you get cut off in traffic. You fuss them out, your pastor's gonna be like, yo, you gotta, what would Jesus do bracing on? You're like, uh-uh, that's what would James do. Oh gosh, it's just for fun. One of the interesting things, James did not become a Christian. He did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God until after Jesus rose from the dead. And it was at that moment that everything changed in James' life. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. In fact, in Acts chapter 15, we see an example of James' wisdom when he helped solve a, a really, really important early church issue, a dispute in the church. So James writes this letter in the midst of persecution. It was, of course, after Jesus had been resurrected, and James now is writing this letter when the Roman Empire is persecuting the early Christians. They were being driven from their homes. Some of them were being killed. They were being dispersed all over the place. And so he writes this to encourage them. Uh, and, and how to handle problems, how to handle troubles, how to handle trials and difficulty and suffering. And men and women, the same is true in our lives today. The Holy Spirit wants to use this book in your life and in my life and teach us how to handle troubles and trials and difficulties and suffering. And so that's what we're going to learn today, specifically in James chapter one. In fact, 
Would you go ahead and stand to your feet with me? If you have your Bible, you can hold it. We're gonna read the, the whole chapter, then we're gonna come back and focus on the first couple of, of verses. I like to stand sometimes when we read the Bible. You'll be standing for a few minutes because we're reading a whole chapter. But there is nothing more powerful than the Word of God. The Word of God is living, it is active, it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, for training in the way of righteousness. It is the God-breathed Word of God. And it deserves honor, and it is what we build our lives on. So even though I'm not preaching on the whole chapter, this message would get way too long. I pray that God speaks to you through different parts, even as we just read it out loud, that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, we honor you. Speak to us today, God. We have ears to hear, we have hearts to receive. We wanna be doers of the word. Lord, we pray for high school camp this week, that every high school kid would have a, a powerful life-changing, literally a life-changing in their young life encounter with you. Lord, I also pray for our, our friend, Pastor John Gray, who you guys might know who he is. He's, he preached a, a few years ago for us. He's, he's fighting for his life right now. I just pray and intercede for him right now at church. Lord, we pray healing, the healing power of Jesus to come into that uh, room right now. Touch his body. Raise him up, Lord God. Continue to give him health and many, many more years of serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you agree, say amen. amen. All right, okay, good. James chapter one. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes. Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Would you, I want you now to read verses two through four out loud together, all right? They'll put it up on the screen. Ready, go. All right, good job. Verse five, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass, uh, the grass withers, the little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we out of all of creation became his prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Let's read verse 22 out loud together. Ready, go. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Good, I'll read the rest. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. <laughs> Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. As you're seated, look at the person next to you and your Mr. T voice, say, I pity the fool. And then you could be seated, I pity the fool. Title of my message today is A Faith That Works When Life Doesn't. A faith that works when life doesn't. We want to focus on the first couple of verses in James chapter 1. Notice, by the way, that in the very first, first, first verse, when James introduces himself, he doesn't say, James, a brother of Jesus. He doesn't say, James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Come on, if I was a brother of Jesus, I think I'd go around telling everybody, <laughs> especially after he rose from the dead. James says, what does he say? A slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That word slave, some translations say bondservant. Greek is doulos. It means, <clears throat> it means a person who willingly offers obedience, devotion, and loyalty to another. In this context, it means one who serves Christ in extending and advancing his cause in the world. Men and women, if you are a Christian, listen, your identity is not in your career. It's not in your job. It's not in your education. It's not in your achievements. It's not in how much money you have saved in your bank account. It's not in your family. It's not in who you're married to or who you know or who you're connected to. It is in the fact that you are a slave of God. You are a servant of Jesus Christ. Every great man and woman in scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, every single one of them were called a servant of God. Moses, a servant of God. Jeremiah, a servant of God. Elijah, a servant of God. It is the highest calling. It is the highest title that you could get because it is your identity. Come on, your life belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You serve Almighty God. Your life has amazing purpose. <laughs> James says, so I'm a servant of Jesus. He might be my brother, but I'm a slave to him because he is Lord and he is savior of all. And then he goes on. I like this. James just hits the accelerator <laughs> as he does. Just boom, 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 just fires off and tells us how to deal with troubles. That's what we're focusing on today. He gives four truths about troubles. In fact, that word troubles in, in the text, it means trials, tests, challenges, adversities or afflictions. And he says a few things. Number one, troubles are inevitable. Troubles are inevitable. He says when troubles come, not if they come, when they come. None of us 
No matter how good you are, how good you think you are, no one is exempt from the challenges and troubles and pain and suffering and difficulties of life. Troubles are not an elective course in the university of life. Come on, they are general ed in the school of hard knocks. And if you're gonna graduate life, you're gonna go through troubles. Second thing he says is troubles are variable. He said troubles of, of various kinds, of any kind. That literally means of various colors, various shapes, sizes, flavors. Troubles vary in intensity and how painful they are. Vary in frequency, how often they come and in duration, how long they last. And then he says troubles are unpredictable. They're unpredictable. One translation says, when trials crowd into your lives as intruders. Troubles don't warn you in advance. They don't ask you, when is it convenient that I show up? They just show up in your life. They're like, they're like your uninvited family member, your crazy uncle, your crazy cousin, who shows up during the holiday party uninvited. They didn't bring any gifts. They didn't bring anything to eat. They just showed up to cause trouble. <laughs> and troubles seem to come at the most inopportune times, don't they? You get ready for church, and then the baby throws up all over you on your way to church. But here's the good news, church. Troubles are purposeful. Hello? That's what the rest of the message is about this, so maybe you'll catch it. Troubles... Troubles are purposeful, James says. Listen to this, verse two. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, listen to this phrase, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That phrase, consider it, is referring to your perspective. It is referring to how you see and view and think about troubles. I heard growing up preaching like this. Your problem is not your problem. How you see your problem is your problem. Because all of us got problems. How you see your problem, what your perspective is, makes all the difference. In Numbers chapter 13, Moses sends out 12 spies to go out into the promised land. Literally, the land that God had promised the Israelites. They've been delivered from Egypt. They're getting ready to take the land. He sends 12 of them out. Says, I want you guys to bring, bring a report back to us. What are we facing? 10 of them came back. They said, the, the land is amazing. We've never seen anything like this. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. You should see the size of the fruit there. But also, the people are massive. They're giants. They're scary. We can't defeat them. We're too weak. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. But two of them, you don't remember the 10 of them who brought a negative report with a negative perspective of faith and, or lack of, lack of faith and, and just filled with doubt and fear. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, we can certainly take this land. It says God is on our side. Come on. They had a perspective of faith. Men and women, when you face troubles and challenges in your life, what's going to make the difference is your faith. You're either going to shrink back in fear or you're going to stand up in faith. We must learn to focus on the strength that we're gaining rather than the opposition that we're facing. Stress and suffering, pain, troubles can and will accomplish good in our lives if we have God's perspective. Let, let me say it a different way. There's purpose in your problems. 
There's purpose in your pain. I want you to say that out loud with me. Say, there's purpose in my problems. Come on, say it again. Say, there's purpose in my problems. Some of you are thinking, John, you don't know how many problems I have. Guess what? Then you got a lot of purpose. <laughs> and James tells us, what is the purpose of troubles? What's the purpose of problems in our lives? He tells us, we just read it. Number one, my troubles test my faith. My troubles test my faith. Faith is like a muscle, and the only way for muscles to grow is to have it stretched and put pressure and weight on it. Most of us don't want to do that. We want our faith to grow, but we don't want to have to do that. We want a hot summer bod without putting all of the work in, without going through all the pressure and the stress and the pain. The word testing in verse 3 is the word that is used in refining, in refining metals. If you're gonna refine a precious metal, gold or silver, you take the metal, you heat it to an unbelievably hot temperature until it melts, all of the impurities then rise to the surface, and then you take the bad stuff, you take the impurities out. Men and women, God uses that, he, when, when the heat is turned up in our lives, when we're going through a test, he does the same thing. Because listen, all of the junk that's in here starts to bubble to the surface. Anger, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, negative thinking, negative speaking, depression, jealousy, complaining, anxiety, selfishness. And when he brings these things to the surface, then he can remove them. Listen, losing my dad last year, it is the hardest faith test I've ever been through. And if I'm being totally honest, and I ought to be because I'm the pastor, <laughs> I'm still going through it. I'm still in the middle of this test. God's not done with me yet. He's teaching me things. He's building my faith. He's growing my faith. Some of you are facing severe troubles right now. You're under a lot of pressure. You're feeling the heat in your marriage, in your finances, in your workplace, with your kids, in your emotions, and in your health. It's easy to trust God when everything's going well. It's hard when the bottom drops out. Like Job, can you trust him when you're going through some stuff? When you feel like you've lost everything. Job said in Job 13, verse 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Do you have faith under pressure? Do you have faith in the fire? Have you passed the faith test? Number two, the second purpose of troubles. Number two, my troubles develop my endurance. My troubles develop my endurance. Verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Endurance is perseverance. Some translations use the word patience. It's steadfastness. It's staying power. It's the ability to handle pressure. It's the commitment to hang on and hang in when things are going bad. And this particular quality is severely lacking in our culture today. People want to cancel it. They want to quit it. They want to forget it. Most people, listen, most people give up far too soon and they have not learned how to endure troubles and challenges. I'm, I'm being, this sounds like an old grumpy preacher, especially this young generation. 
This entitlement mentality that you get a degree and they're just going to hand you a job. That's not how life works. They don't owe you anything. Nobody owes you nothing. <laughs> All right, better get off that. We didn't, we didn't get the raise that we feel we deserve, so we just quit. Go look for another job. Somebody hurts us. Somebody offends us. Pastor doesn't give us a hug. Doesn't see me. So we get offended. <laughs> Have unforgiveness in our hearts. Things get rough in our marriages. And we blame the other person. And think, I'm out of here. Forget this. I'm going to get a divorce and just get a new, new model spouse. God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want him to. So he let us down. He failed us. We get mad. We walk away from him. Angels lose 14 straight games. We jump off that bandwagon. We jump on the Dodgers bandwagon, the winning team. Come on. <laughs> I don't blame you if you do that, by the way. The, the only way to learn how to handle pressure is to go through it. That's how endurance is built. The great Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop. Get up. Put one foot in front of the other. Galatians 6, 9, one of my favorite verses. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest, a blessing, if we don't give up. Amen. Number three, here's the third purpose of troubles. My troubles mature my character. My troubles mature my character. Verse four, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. You're like a tube of toothpaste. You don't know what's really inside until you're squeezed. That's <laughs> what my Uncle Jim used to always say. Listen, troubles reveal your spiritual maturity or your lack of maturity, your immaturity. They do. <laughs> and if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Because troubles come. A few weeks ago, this late one night, kids are in bed, and so Jenny's sitting at the table. She's reading a book about how to raise kids. I thought, that's, that's boring. I'm going to go watch a TV show. <laughs> so I go in the other room. I'm watching a show. Jenny sends me a text, something about the baby, you know, something serious. Like, can, you help, can you help do this the next few days? So I'm, you know, I'm into my show. I look at my phone. So I reply, okay. <laughs> right, guys? Okay. Yes, okay. Just okay. I get a text about 20 minutes later, and you know, problem with text messages, by the way, one of the problems, you don't know the tone. You don't know the, the, uh, the verbal cues. You just interpret it as you're reading it. So her reply is something like, fine, I'll do it by myself. So I was, now I'm in trouble. And I said, okay. So now I'm watching my show. Now I'm thinking about this. Now I'm getting angry. I thought I told her, okay. So about half an hour later, I'm still amped up about this. I'm still mad. <laughs> and I go to talk to her and she's angry. First words out of her mouth are kind of angry. So then I get angry. And for about 36 hours, we're angry at each other. <laughs> All I needed to do was have a little bit of maturity and say, babe, I'm sorry. What I meant was this. But, I, but listen, Jesus is still working on me. <laughs> He's still building my character and he is far more concerned with our character than with our comfort. And that is why that's one of the reasons why he allows us to go through troubles and pain and loss and suffering because he's making us more like Jesus. 
And so when you respond to troubles the way that God wants you to, you become more godly. When someone hurts you, you have an opportunity now to forgive. When you're under stress, you have an opportunity to trust God and experience his peace. When you're tempted to sin, you have an opportunity to exercise one of the fruit of the spirit, which is called self-control. When you have a coworker who doesn't like you, you have an opportunity to grow in love. And so how do we respond to troubles? James tells us, he gives us four radical, counterintuitive, countercultural responses and if we can do these things, these are biblical godly responses that help us to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. James 1.22, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Otherwise, James saying, I pity the fool. <laughs> How do you respond to troubles? I'll give these to you quick. Number one, rejoice. Rejoice, knowing God can use them. Come on, say rejoice. rejoice. Say it again like you're joyful. Say rejoice. rejoice. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's not saying fake it till you make it. It's not saying just deny reality, stick your head in the sand, pretend like the Lego movie says everything is awesome. <laughs> it's also not saying that you look forward to when terrible things happen in your life. What it is saying, men and women, is that we don't rejoice for troubles, but we can rejoice in the midst of troubles. Because we know the truth. Because we've considered the truth. We know what the Word of God says, and we know who God is in His nature. That He's loving, and He's good, and He's caring, and He's with us, and He's for us. Come on, somebody. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things, not some things, not most things, all things, every single one of them, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things include your pain, your sorrow, your suffering, your grief, your challenges, your loss, and your troubles. I ought to point out, by the way, this promise is only for those who know and love God. If you don't know and love God, to put it bluntly as James would, you be on your own. All, if you don't know the Lord, men and women, all things are not working together for good in your life. They're actually working for the opposite. They're working for evil and destruction because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his plan for your life. But Jesus says, but I have come, John 10, 10, I have come that you might have abundant life. So no matter what knucklehead mistakes you make, and we all do, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what pain you've been through, no matter what abuse you've been through, and I'm not minimizing anything, men and women, what I'm telling you is what the Word of God says. He can take all of that, and He can redeem it, and He can use it for your good. You might think, what good can come out of it? I just told you what good. To test your faith, to develop your endurance, and to mature your character. Even in the midst of hard times, we can rejoice. Joy is not based on our circumstances. Joy is based on the Lord. The joy of the Lord. I think it is it Nehemiah 8.10, I think. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Paul says in Philippians over and over again, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This is what David says in Psalms 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. 
He doesn't say, I'll bless the Lord sometimes. I'll bless the Lord when I feel like it. I'll bless the Lord when they're singing my favorite songs that I like. Come on. Have you noticed, by the way, that the times that you don't want to go to church, that you don't feel like it, are the times that you need to show up the most? Has anybody ever noticed that? Isn't that the funniest thing? Something terrible happening. I don't, I don't feel like it. But if you show up, if you just show up in the house of God, in the presence of God, if you bring a sacrifice of, of praise, if you bless the Lord, he'll bless you. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I sought the Lord and he, he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Man, that's good. Amen. Number two, number two, if you, when you're facing troubles, relax. <laughs> relax. Asking God for wisdom. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, relax. Come on, say it like they're not relaxed. Tell them. Hey, relax. Pete Garrett, relax. <laughs> Asking God for wisdom. We need wisdom so we can learn from the troubles that we're facing, because every trouble is an education, and we need wisdom so we know the right things to do. I, I, have, I have found this in my own life <laughs> to be so true. When you're going through trouble, when you're going through difficulties in life, it's not very helpful to ask why. Because there are some things you're not gonna understand. We'll never understand this side of eternity. You know what is helpful to ask? What? God, what, what are you teaching me? What do you want me to learn? What do you want to do in my life? And if you need wisdom, men and women say, God, what do you want me to do? What, what do you want me to do in my marriage? What do you want me to do in my finances? What do you want me to do about this addiction? Relax and ask God for wisdom. Number three, rely on God, believing he will help. Rely on God, believing that he will help. In verse two, we just mentioned, said that when you face troubles of various kinds, that phrase is also used of various kinds, is also used in 1 Peter chapter four, verse 10, where Peter talks about grace of various kinds. You know that grace is not one, one dimensional. Let me say it like this. For every trouble you face, God has a grace. No matter what trouble you're facing, big or small, God has a specific grace to see you through that situation. Grace empowers you to overcome. God's grace enables you to endure troubles. God's grace equips you with his strength. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 verse nine, and he, referring to Jesus himself, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, other translations say power, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul adds, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Listen, God will help you. Troubles, troubles do not automatically produce good in your life. Even many Christians, when they go through troubles, they don't get better, they get bitter. They get mad at God, in their hearts they do. They get mad at other people. Troubles only produce good, men and women, if you have a faith that works when life doesn't. It depends on your perspective. Are you really trusting God to help you, or are you just trusting your own strength? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, 
and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path smooth or he will direct your paths. Number four is this. Here's the last point. Refuse to quit remembering God's promises. When you're facing troubles, refuse to quit remembering God's promises. James 1.12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There's a lady named Dodie Osteen, who's Pastor Joel Osteen's mom. And a while ago, decades ago, she was diagnosed with cancer. And so she began to to do all the, the medical treatment that was necessary. But one of the things that she also did, I heard her share this. One of the things she also did is she got her Bible and every day she stood, literally stood on her Bible and she spoke and declared and prophesied over her life over 50 healing scriptures. She found promises in the word of God that talked about healing and she spoke them over her life. Men and women, that's somebody who trusts in the word of God. Anybody remember the old Sunday school song? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. You realize there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. That is more than enough for every trouble you're going to face in your life. Some of you are facing troubles right now in your health. You ought to stand on a promise of the word of God. Isaiah 53, verse five, by his stripes, I am healed. Facing challenges in your finances, don't know how you're gonna make it. Philippians says, and my God shall supply all of my needs, all of your needs, according to his riches and glory. Some of you are in bondage and addiction to things you can't break free from. You ought to stand in the promise that Jesus spoke. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Some of you are facing troubles in your marriage and you feel like there's no hope. You've given up. You're on the brink of divorce. You need to stand on the promise of the Word of God. That with God all things are possible. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He can breathe resurrection and life into any situation. And if you do, if you do, if you will just endure and stand in faith, men and women, God will bless you. He promises to bless you in this life and reward you in heaven. You're either going to stand on the word of God or you're going to stand on something else. You're going to hop into bed with somebody, hop on the computer, look at something, drink something, shoot something, snort something, go, go try to get rid of the pain in your life. Listen, or you can go to the one who will see you through. He'll see you through. Paul says, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the context, he's talking about troubles and challenges. He says, I know what it's looked like to have a lot and to have nothing. I know what it's looked like to have a place to stay and to be out in the streets. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you have a faith that works when life doesn't? That's my question. Go ahead and stand to your feet if you would. And I want to invite our prayer team to come to the front, invite our, our staff to come forward as well. And
We're just going to take a moment before we end today. We're going to do this pretty quick, but we're going to briefly sing a song. Sarah's going to lead us in a song. Listen, if you're facing any trouble, any difficulty, any challenge, big or small, and you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, we would love to agree with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. So as we sing the song, don't leave yet, please. We're not done yet. But as we sing, as we worship the Lord, get out of your seat. If you need prayer, come to the front. We're going to pray for you. The rest of us, let's sing. Let's put our focus on the Lord. My hope is built on nothing trying to elicit more of a response. I'm just letting you know, in a group this size, there's got to be more troubles than this. <laughs> Some of you ought not to leave here today and walk out of this room without getting prayer. There's something powerful about agreement and prayer. God, we thank you. We love you. We look to you, Jesus. You are a firm foundation. You are a cornerstone. We build our lives on the truth and the promises of your word, the word of God that never changes. So Father, breathe hope, breathe life, breathe encouragement. God, give us endurance and perseverance to walk through and face any challenge or difficulty with faith. Lord, now some of us, we need miracles today. We need miracles in our marriage. We need miracles in our bodies. There's couples in here wanting to get pregnant. They need a miracle. Lord, release miracles in Jesus' name and give them wisdom to show them what to do. But we choose to walk in obedience and faith in Jesus' name. Stay standing for a moment. Listen, maybe you're here today Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. You're watching online, you don't know the Lord. You know about God. Listen, James, the next chapter, we'll read it, you'll see it next week. He says, even the demons believe in God and they tremble. That doesn't mean anything. Do you know the Lord? Do you walk in relationship with him every day? That is why Jesus came. God loved you so much that he gave his son. John 3, 16, Jesus said, for God, 
so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their faith and trust in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Men and women, I'm just like you. I'm a sinner who needs a savior. I do things, say things even now that are wrong, they're selfish. They're not what God wants. The Bible calls that sin. And so Jesus came and he paid the price for your sin and my sin and he did it with his own blood. His blood covers our sins. His blood reconciled us, restored our relationship with God. And his blood, by the way, also redeems all of our pain. And he is the only way to have a relationship with the Lord. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He died on the cross and then he rose from the dead. And that's why we can know him. That's why we can live for him. Best and most important decision you could ever make is following Jesus. It's more important than who you're gonna marry, where you're gonna live, what you're gonna do for a job. Do you know the Lord? I, 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 gotta, I gotta give this opportunity right now. I, I feel prompted. There's several people here today. That's why I'm taking time. Men and women, eternity hangs in this decision, by the way. Eternity with God is called heaven. Eternity separate from God is called hell. You will live in one of those two places. And God created you to spend eternity with him, to walk in relationship with him. Hell is not meant for you, but it's your decision. He won't force himself. He gives you free will, you have to choose. Listen, if you're here today, you've never made a decision to be in relationship with God, but you want to. Maybe you prayed a prayer, but you walked away, you're not living for the Lord, you wanna come back to him today. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. If that's you on the count of three, you say, John, that's me, I'm making that decision for the first time, or I'm coming back to the Lord today. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, lift your hand, hold it high, hold it high, hold it high, until I see you. Sir, are your hands up for this today? <laughs> Anybody in here today, raise your hand till I see you and wave at me. Somebody in the back, I see you over there. I see you, young man, in the back over there. There's, there's more, I see you, sir, in the back. Anybody else? I, I feel the Holy Spirit convicting people right now. Listen, James, James goes on, he says, your life is like a mist, it's like a vapor. It appears today and it's gone tomorrow. Tomorrow's not prom. I feel strong about this, or somebody. If you drop dead today, if you have a heart attack, are you gonna spend eternity with God in heaven? Or are you gonna spend eternity separated from him in hell? I'm not ashamed to say, it. that's what the Bible says. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to give you an opportunity. Don't wait, don't wait. Don't think I'm gonna get my life, I'm gonna fix my life, I'm gonna get in order. No, 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 Jesus does that, that's his job. Just open up and surrender. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans 10, 9. There's several people who just made that decision today. I wanna to lead you in a prayer of confession right now. I want all of us, there's at least three people who responded to raise their hand. I want you to repeat this prayer after me, a phrase at a time. God, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all my sin. I surrender my life to you. Come into my life, make me a new creation. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I wanna live for you all the days of my life. And I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate that church, amen? Josh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna close real quick. Listen, if you just made that decision, you raise your hand or you wanted to, in just a moment, come up to the front. Let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. We have a Bible that we wanna give you and a book called Following Jesus as well. If you're new or visiting, we have a gift for you that's at the Connection Center in the lobby. So stop by there on your way out. It's a book that my dad wrote called Dugout Talk. 
Let me pronounce a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and may he protect you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he smile upon you. May his favor and his peace rest on you. Pray that he would fill you with his power and his love, that you would live for his glory this week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, church. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.